Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Black Women No Sports podcast. Today, I am joined with Alexis Davis, who is an NCAT alum and much more. So I'm going to go ahead and allow her to introduce herself to the audience. I'm super excited to be here with you, Jaden, and just talk sports and everything else kind of under that same little umbrella. So when did you first fall in love with sports? That's going to be my first easy question for you. Um, Yeah. So my dad, um, he played football and basketball in high school. Um, he was the football captain and he was the basketball captain. And um, he played basketball at Virginia State and at Howard. Um, so growing up, I always joke with people and I say that, you know, I always feel like he wanted a son. He always had me in sports and we would watch sports stuff together. Um, so I would just say just staying up late at night, um, watching basketball games with him, whether that was Duke and Carolina. I particularly remember um, him making sure that he cleared his schedule so that he could watch it. So if I was with him, then that means, you know, I was watching it too. So I think really just those early memories um, of just watching college basketball with him. Yeah. Did you have a favorite college team growing up? Um, so he liked North Carolina, so I guess. I liked them too, <laughs> I guess. You know, it was just more so I didn't, I was still kind of learning the game um, and stuff. I think for me, I more so just got a thrill out of his reactions, like with the if the ref made a bad call, I think I was more so, you know, excited to, you know, just watch it with him and his reactions mm -hmm. and stuff like that. At that point, I didn't really understand the game yet. Mm -hmm. And were you introduced to it like through playing it? Yeah, so I played, um, I played basketball in middle school and then I played basketball going into the summer of ninth grade. Okay, nice, cool. Were you like trying to go pro or were you just trying to just play for fun? Yeah, I think for me, because I'm an only child, and I didn't have siblings being on a team and, you know, being at school, going to practice after school, playing AAU, it was a chance for me to be around other girls and other kids. Um, and also with AAU, you know, we traveled. So, um, you know, I think it's just a chance for me to be around other kids and kind of a way to stay in shape as well. Mm -hmm. um, but then once I went to high school, um, I went to a prep school, so everyone was, you know, trying to go D1. That wasn't really my goal. I just more so was playing for fun. At school, in high school, um, I made someone a highlight tape, and then it just kind of was word of mouth. Um, everyone was trying to get recruited, so different people just asked me to make highlight tapes for them. Um, and then once I got to my first university, um, AMU, one of their top recruits, um, NJ Randolph, he was staying on the same floor as me. And um, we just became really close. And um, I ended up writing a feature story about him for the school's newspaper. And then that's how I realized that, you know, that was something that I wanted to do. So you started off with editing, you said. I started off with like video editing, but nothing too serious. Like I was literally just chopping up video and putting it into iMovie. Well, that's cool. Did you get like yeah. paid for that or did you just do it for fun, like out of your heart? Um, yeah, no, I wasn't really getting paid for that. That was kind of before the whole video photography scene. It was like, that's when it was like the video and photography scene was first starting to kind of blow up before people were like, you know, charging $30 for video or, you know, $90 for two outfit photo shoot. Like that was before yeah. that whole era. That's cool. You're like an OG now. <laughs> I know, right? What is the most challenging and exciting thing about being a Black woman in sports? Um, 
I would say the most exciting thing. Um, so for me right now, I'm an intern with the Phoenix Mercury. And I think the most exciting thing is when I get to work, I never really know what I'm going to be working on being with a WNBA team for a full season. So I'm getting the chance to see everything from preseason to media day to how the season unfolds. And then I'll be with the team for some additional months after the season is over too. So just kind of seeing the beginning, middle and end of how a professional team works. Um, and then lucky for me, the Mercury and Suns are under the same umbrella. So I kind of get to experience that NBA side um, where I sit at in the office. The Suns social media team is right there too. So it's kind of like a two-in-one type of experience. And um, if my direct boss is not available at Mercury, then I can, you know, go right to the Suns and ask them questions. It's all like a big open door policy. So I think one of the most exciting things is um, just not knowing what we're going to be doing that day. But at the end of the day, sometimes it is challenging, but I do feel like I pretty much pick up a new skill almost any time I'm in the office, whether if that's directly or just overhearing someone else talk about something. I would say the most challenging, I think the most challenging is just Knowing that, like, you have a purpose in being there. I think a lot of times we look at TV, we look at social media, and, you know, we see what everyone else is doing and forgetting that there's stuff that you've already done and kind of order your steps to be in the position that you're in. For Black women, I think that's just more so something that can be applied to people as general, you know, people in general. So I think just, you know, we always want the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So, yeah. yeah. How did you get your opportunity with the Suns and the Mercury? Yeah, so actually, um, my grad program, the forms that I filled out only gave me a stipend the first two semesters. So I was like, okay, like, you know, I want some extra money. I need to find an internship or something. So I applied to a bunch of internships, actually. I applied to a bunch of internships. And when I was doing the Roden Fellowship with ESPN, I did a little bit of social media with um, HBC football. So I was like, okay, maybe. And I really enjoyed the social media part of it. So I was like, okay, maybe I can do that. So I applied for the. So actually, let me back up. So at my university, we have a mentorship program that you can sign up for. I got matched up with someone who was a producer for Suns TV for all their local broadcasts. He's a producer. So we had the initial mentor meeting with the faculty member that oversees the mentor program. We had that initial meeting. After we had that meeting, the internship coordinator, I mean, the mentorship coordinator sent the Mercury internship to me. He was like, hey, I think you'd be good for this. You should apply. I'm like, mm, I haven't really done that much social media. Like, you're not going to pick me, et cetera. So I applied. Then my mentor, LaChina Robinson, I was telling her about how I did an internship. I told her that, I applied for Mercury. She told me that she knew someone at Mercury. Um, and, you know, that even if I don't necessarily get the social media internship, it would just be great for me to meet them because um, the woman that she was telling me to meet had, had held some roles that I might want to have after school. Um, so when I went to go meet my mentor that I got through my school, I also sent that woman a text and said, hey, um, meeting with so-and-so, do you mind if after I'm done meeting with them, do you mind if we just sit down for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, et cetera. So I met, uh, I went and met with the Suns producer. And then after I met her, and I just kind of just kept following up via email, um, did about four or five interviews and then found out about a couple of weeks later. Oh, wow. Nice. So <laughs> when did it start? Um, so I started there in March. In March. Okay. And what have like, what's the biggest thing you've learned so far with 
uh, working with the suns and the mercury. It's really just the daily just ins and out. Like right now, um, we're working on um, WNBA All-Star campaigns, like trying to get our top three girls votes for WNBA All-Star. So just seeing what a professional team does to promote their players. Um, and even because honestly, before this year, I never really even paid attention to how All-Star voting works. Like some days um, the votes count for double. And now they have different procedures on what you have to do to get your votes to count. So just kind of just learning how each each thing works basically. And then also when I got to the organization, the Suns were getting ready to go into the playoffs. So seeing how the Suns social media team prepare for playoffs um, from the social media posts all the way down to like the t-shirts that they intentionally gave fans at playoff <laughs> games, etc. So just, just seeing, I think the main thing for me is just seeing how everything works from the inside, just so that, you know, regardless if I stay with the team after or if I go somewhere else, I feel like I have a full scope um of how everything works yeah and so your official title is like what is it like social media social media intern Mm -hmm. okay cool how much did sji play in this opportunity i would say for sji it really just gave me the confidence to honestly just apply for the job because i think um it's one of those things where i wasn't going to apply just because i didn't know if i was necessarily fully qualified um, but I think just kind of my willingness to learn new skills and to be honest with my boss about where I'm at so that she can work with me. Um, I feel like that's been the biggest thing. Um, yeah, I think SJI just kind of gave me the confidence to apply because um, even with SJI, I wasn't going to apply unless, you know, Squires would have really like pushed me to apply. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, you apply, the worst thing you can do is not get an interview, which is okay. <laughs> So tell me your experience of being an Aggie at North Carolina A&T State University. Um, just kind of tell me, because I know you started off with FAMU and mm-hmm. uh, transferred over to A&T. So what was it like, you know, the difference between those two HBCUs? And um, when did you discover your true passion? Was it at FAMU or was it at A&T? So I discovered that I wanted to be a sports reporter at FAMU after I wrote the article on MJ. So I think that's when I, because just that whole process of interviewing him and learning more about his dad and just his whole thing and creating the questions. And, you know, and that was my first time, like, I didn't know anything about the school's newspaper. So I had to figure out when the, and I don't know, for some reason, they weren't really actively posting the contributors meetings, like the A&T, like you knew Monday at this time in this room, that's where they were going to be. But at FAMU, it was hard for me to do that. So I was kind of asking around like, hey, who's the editor in chief? Like, hey, who's the, who's over the sports section? Who does this? Like, so I really had to dig for that information. And then once I found them, nobody was replying to my texts and emails. And I think they just honestly just didn't see them. So then I had to physically go to the the newspaper office get the okay then i had to walk down to the sid like so for me i'm i'm i think that's that i think that is one of my better traits like if someone's not texting me back or not calling me back like i'll pull up like i will walk from my dorm all the way down to the sid office i will wait for practice i will wait after practice for someone i think that's one thing too that's kind of helped me is like, I don't just say, oh, well, you know, they didn't test me back or, oh, well, they didn't call. I guess I got to do something else. Like, no, I really feel like I go to the extent to get the information that I need. So I think that kind of helped me. Um, and then once that article finally came out, I was like, okay, I guess it was all worth it. So I think I found my passion through that whole chasing down that whole process, even though it wasn't the most fun thing, but just once that 
seeing that article posted with my byline is still up there. That's kind of when I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about A&T and working with the Register. On East's podcast, on Screen Time, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned about like the A&T Register and how at first you felt as if you weren't getting enough opportunities to write sports. How was it like working um, underneath the score? And then eventually, like they said, that you proved yourself. Like, obviously, I mean, you proved to be this GOAT writer. Yeah, so I don't necessarily, I don't think that it was a, hey, we're trying to exclude women. Like, I don't think it was a, hey, we don't want women on our staff. Because at the time, East was on staff, like as an actual like so we have so for those that don't know the ANT register um is ANT's newspaper and we have contributors who just come to the meetings every week they they write here and there then we have people who are actually on staff they get money from ANT it's a super small super duper small amount some people on the staff they get they get paid to which which rightfully so if you're writing one to two articles editing and really making this you know a part-time gig you should be getting paid and we really should be getting paid more but that's you know another story um yeah it wasn't like a oh they hate women they don't want women on their staff it just seemed it just it just was a little like hmm who is this person like what's this about you know because I think that when I came in I wasn't, um, I wasn't an observer and then decided to speak up. I think the first meeting I came in, I was already speaking up. Um, so I definitely do think my approach has changed a little bit. I think anytime you start a new job or, or anything of that nature, you should kind of observe how things work, how things work and then step in. But I think I, because I was a transfer, I felt like I was already one year behind, which caused me to just jump right in. And I wouldn't say that was completely bad, um, but I do think, you you know just observing can go a long way so I definitely don't think with the thing of oh we don't want women on our staff and things like that I also think that was my first time seeing the dynamic of a newspaper like because this was before all my internships so like I didn't know that there was a lead reporter an editor and then an editor-in-chief I never really knew how that dynamic worked I just think that it was a pretty slow start and I was still trying to figure out you know the dynamic of the newspaper and um, I think sometimes it caused me to get some of the pitches that were turned down or some of the little hesitation on there. And I think it kind of caused me to internalize that just because I was still getting familiar with the situation. Right. Um, so as a Black woman right now in sports, have you noticed any challenges or any, any overlooks lately? I hope you haven't because I honestly, there's so many Black women in sports now. Yeah. And even though as of 2022, it's only 1.1% of Black women in sports reporting, yeah. I see like a huge like influx of Black women on on every platform regarding sports. So have you ever been overlooked as of lately? And if so, how did that make you feel? And if not, what are the mentors that you have that kind of help you and that kind of guide you in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't really think that ever, I've never felt like I've been overlooked because I was a black woman. I think a lot of, a lot of times when I felt uncomfortable has been more so a me thing than my environment. I noticed that when I first started going to press conferences and stuff, I felt the need to like spit out like four or five nuggets about the game before I even asked my question because I felt like I had to prove to the room that I understood the game. I understood what was going on, prove to the coach that my question was worth answering because I understand the game. When, you know, 
the press conference is not necessarily a place to do that. Everyone's trying to get their questions out. And now it's so funny because for me, when I'm in press conferences now, I get so annoyed when people try to break down the whole game before they just ask a question. I'm just like, just ask your question, please. Um, so it's just so funny how like I get annoyed by that now. Nine times out of 10, you will be the only black woman sometimes you might be the only black person especially if you decide to go um the baseball route honestly I, I i haven't really felt that way i think it's more so just me being comfortable with who i am and i think that through my different experiences and through the people that i've met and through the people that look like me that i know that i've had success i do definitely think that i'm considered um one of the more lucky ones where i feel like i haven't been necessarily out of an opportunity. But I think it also is because I go after opportunities that cater to people like me. So for instance, the Roden Fellowship, that's literally for HBCU students wanting a job in sports. That's literally what I was at the time. So I feel like I go after the things where people are already, instead of trying to flip it, you know? And for instance, you know, ASU, they were looking to kind of have some more diversity on campus. So they ended up giving me a full ride to come to Arizona State. So these are people that are dumping their money into being more diverse, into making me feel comfortable. So why not step into that environment instead of trying to, you know, force something else? So I feel like by stepping into opportunities that were already designed for me or for people like me and utilizing those to excel my career, I think that's been really beneficial. What has been your favorite event or interview that you've done so far or covered? I would say favorite event has been the final four, the women's final four. Because yeah. I think with that one, it was like, it was just so unexpected. Like, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I was super excited. LaChina um, was giving me the opportunity to go to the final four with her program. And I was like, okay, we're going to go to the final four. It started off, it's like, okay, I'm going to get my outfits. I'm going to go. I'm going to have fun. But then it just elevated into this whole thing, like this whole, this whole thing that's watched by almost 10 million people. Then you have Angel Reese and then, you know, I'm I'm walking to the press conferences. There's Cheryl Swoops, there's Lisa Leslie, there's anyone that I've ever seen on TV ever. There's Overtime Chloe, there's just Asia Wilson. It's just like everyone's just walking around and we're yeah. just like, okay, there's Don Staley, there's Aaliyah Boston, Zaya Cook. It's just like anyone that exists and matters in women's basketball, like in any sphere, in any type with Ari Chambers, like everyone's just walking around and I'm just like, okay. And then LaChina, she's just introducing us to all these people like they're just regular people. I mean, which they are, but it's just like, you know. Monica McNutt is there. Elle Duncan is there. Like, Carolyn, like, everyone is literally just Andrea Carter. Everyone's just there. And I think I didn't realize the scale of it. It's so funny because when I was a Rodent Fellow, I was supposed to go to the men's final four, but the men's final four was the same day as my probate. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to go. So, you know, your time will come. The perfect setup will come. The perfect situation will come too. And even those people that I was nervous to go up to at the final four, with LaChina knowing pretty much everyone in the building, having her be that middle person to, you know, make those connections sometimes when we are a little bit nervous. Um, I think that was really beneficial too. So I think the most interesting, fun, whatever would be definitely final four. Highlight of that would definitely be being able to interview Angel Reese. And then I would say, as far as like digital writing, 
Um, I did a two-part series about why WNBA players don't get sneaker deals at the same rate as NBA players. Um, I did that for a school assignment, but then it ended up getting published by Front Office Sports. So I think that was one of those things where I thought I was the most proud because I went after a topic that I was passionate about. Um, so I feel like that made it even that much better. And then I think that's like the most um, the most real reporting I feel like I've done. I met people for lunch and talked to them about stuff, even people that I didn't source. Final Four, I interviewed a different, a lot of people, you know, women have who have actually had signature shoot. I interviewed them at Final Four and then, you know, meeting people for lunch and stuff like that. So I think that was the most real reporting and digging that I've done. Um, so yes, yeah, so I would say, most fun event, Final Four, interviewing Angel Reese. And I would say the most, the work that I'm the most proud of has been the sneaker stuff. Yeah, that's dope. That's really, really dope. What is the best advice that you've gotten so far, either in your career or beforehand that you still carry with you to this day? Um, I would say two parts. So one has come from LaChina. Um, and she's basically saying that the people that are okay with being uncomfortable the longest, they're the ones that really prevail. A lot of people, they are just looking for an easy situation, an easy out, you know, that next step, you know, wants to take the elevator versus taking the steps. Um, and just her just really saying like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to kind of be in that grinding period, but things will eventually turn over, you know? So that that's one part of it. And then also, um, there was a video that Duke women's basketball put out uh, in July of last year. And basically it was uh, Cara Lawson basically talking about how a lot of people, they want to just get over hard. Like for instance, they'll say, oh, once I get through this hard master's program, my life will be better. Once I get through A&T, my life will be better. Once I pass this math test, my life will be better. And she was just explaining in the video that people have to learn how to handle hard better so it doesn't seem like such a major obstacle. And I actually, I was covering a girls um, basketball tournament on Thursday and I actually ran into her at the tournament and I don't know what came over me, but I literally just walked up to her. I was like, hey, I saw that video that you posted, you know, about just dealing with hard and it really resonated with me, you know, when I read it because this, this past summer was like a pretty rough time for me. And, you know, just explaining to her and I don't know what came over to me. I don't know this lady. Um, and I literally just went up to her and just explained. So, yes, I would say that that advice from the China about you know, those that are okay with being uncomfortable for the longest, they end up going high places. And then that video that I saw from Carl Lawson about just how to, you know, handle hard better. Tell me about your relationship with LaChina. Yeah, so um, I actually, for, I first met LaChina when there were do, when there was the ACC tournament in Greensboro, the regional women's tournaments always in Greensboro. And um the director of ACC communications reached out to one of our professors at AMT, I forgot which one, and said that they needed volunteers who can pass out credentials and pass out game notes to the media. I don't want to do that. I want to be a credential media member and I want to write. But then I thought to myself, well, if I pass out credentials, that means that every important person that's coming to this tournament, they have to interact with me because I'm the one that's going to be given their credentials. So that was another time where it's like, you know, just take the opportunity to give it to you. For this tournament, I had already applied for Horizon Media Stars program. 
the day before that I was supposed to start at the tournament, I got the notification that I had got in. I went to the tournament and I just so happened to see her at the tournament. I went up to her. I was like, hey, um, my name's Alexis Davis. I just got into the program. I'm super excited. She was really happy to meet me. So that was my first interaction with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, it's really just grown. Um, I think at A&T, I really became a strong writer. But for me, you know, I really want to do broadcast. So she's really just, you know, helped me with my reel, how to dress on camera, how to talk on camera, elevator pitch when you meet somebody, um, the importance of being intentional, being on time, all the little skills that a lot of people overlook. Um, And even just beyond trying to be in the sports realm, but beyond trying to become a broadcaster you know even when I first got to Arizona State didn't have any friends I used to call La China and just talk on the phone for an hour tell her about my day tell her you know what what was going on etc um so I think it's kind of a twofold thing one helping me get to that next level of being a great broadcaster but also just being you know someone that's not because you, know, you don't want to talk to your parents about everything yeah. But at the same time La China has been there done that she's lived 100 lives so I feel like it's great to have someone that, you know, is a little bit younger. She isn't my parents. She's in that realm that I want to be in. She understands social media. She understands everything that's going on. So I feel like she's a good, I guess you could say, third younger parent to kind of go to when I don't necessarily want to talk to them about stuff. So who are you outside of sports? I see your fits that you be posting on Instagram and you kill every single last one of them. So I know you're a fashionista, but like, besides that, who are you outside of sports? Yeah, um, I would say I really just like exploring different things. So whether that comes in the form of reading or since I've been out in Arizona, you know, it's one of those things just like undergrad. If you just stay in your room all day, you're not gonna really get to experience everything that's here. So I think I've kind of grown to like some different things since I've been in Arizona, just having to explore um, on my own. But yeah, I would definitely say I enjoy reading. Um, I enjoy exploring. Um, I really like clothes. Um, I like just talking to my friends from back home. Um, I think they've done a really good job of trying to work with me with this three hour difference, you know, of you know, being intentional about spending time on the phone and stuff like that. When I'm getting off from a Mercury game at 10 o'clock, it's one o'clock where they are, but still texting the group message throughout the day and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I just really just enjoy different experiences, um, creating outfits for those experiences and, you know, reading, um, you know, just having that one-on-one time with myself. And the last question is, what's next for you and where can people follow you? Yeah, so my Instagram is the Alexis K dot underscore. And then um, my Twitter is Alexis Davis TV, um, just the T and the V. Um, and what's next? I really think I'm just trying to you know, wrap up this master's program in December, kind of get what I can out of these next two. So I'm I'm still in it right now in the summertime, and then I'll be done in the fall. So really just trying to maximize that experience, get as much as I can for my professors and teachers. And yeah, just working with Mercury and, you know, continue to learn all that I can so that hopefully that can turn into something with either league, either the NBA or on the WNBA side, and basically just showing up um, for, the, for you know, both of those opportunities. Well, good luck, Alexis. I know you're going to do great. Um, and thank you once again for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. Are you going to be at Jiho? 
Yes, I'll be at Jiho. Okay. Yes, yes. I ask everyone who's graduated from ANT if they're going to be there. Yes, so I will be at Jiho for sure. Cool. Awesome. Well, I will see you then. Thank you so much for joining yeah. my podcast. Well, yes, and I was so good. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Women No Sports podcast. To learn more about our speaker or to shop Black Women No Sports apparel, head over to the links in my show notes. I'll see you next week with another very important guest.